Thank you, Monica. Good work, girl. We are, uh, you can go ahead and open up your bulletin inside. There's a spot for sermon notes uh, with an application guide for the week as well. Um, so just encourage you to use that if that's helpful for you. Uh, we'll be back, like I said, again on Christmas Eve. Uh, and we'll be in John 18 today, John 1 on Christmas Eve. And then also, uh, just uh, next week, um, my family and I, we're going to leave town for uh, about five days. And so next week on Sunday, uh, we'll all gather together. We're going to be somewhere else, but uh, going to be a privilege to have Chad Fincham uh, preaching that Sunday. So get to, again, open up God's Word uh, and be challenged and encouraged by it and so thankful uh, for Chad's willingness to do that. So that'll be next week on Sunday. And then uh, when we hit January, we're going to spend the first three months of the year going through the first four chapters of the book of Romans. Eventually we'll get through the whole thing, but we're not going to bite it all off at once. So we're going to go through the first four chapters of the book of Romans and we're going to start that on January 3rd. So I'm really looking forward to our time in that book. Uh, but before Christmas here, just wanted to shift gears. We got done with Jonah last week, and now I'm uh, just going to look at, at one passage in John 18. And we're thinking about birth uh, because of Jesus' birth at this time of year. And if you think about birth, most of us know at least some details about our own birth. So I know, for example, that I was born on June 11th, 1980. Uh, and anytime anybody says when they were born, I quick do math in my head. Do you do that too? And try and, so I'm 35, uh, so you don't have to do the math. Um, that's how old I am. God's given me 35 years of life. But I was born, I know, June 11th, 1980, uh, in Fridley, Minnesota. Uh, and I was born at 12.02 a.m. So I was almost born on June 10th. And the doctor told my, my mom that, uh, that it was his anniversary on June 11th. So he was trying to hold off until until it got to be June 11th. I don't know how much control he had over that, but it did work. Um, and so I came into the world on June 11th, 1980, in Fridley, Minnesota, which is a suburb of Minneapolis. So know some details. I was seven pounds something. I can't remember what the ounces was uh, were. Um, but most of us know some details about our birth. Maybe you could tell a story that went along with your birth. And this time of year, a lot of people who don't normally even come to a church for a worship service or anything else, will come and be at a church during the season of Christmas. And so most people still in our country have some sort of idea of some of the details of Jesus' birth, right? They might know that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, that he was born to a virgin named Mary, that there was no room in an inn, and so, so there was maybe outside of town or maybe somewhere uh, near somebody's house in town. He was born in in a stable of some sort or something where they had to lay him in a manger. So, so people in our culture have some sort of idea still about the details of Jesus' birth. What we're going to do today is we're going to ask a different question. I'm not going to go over more of the details of Jesus' birth and try and find something that maybe you've never heard before in some application you've never heard. I'm, I'm going to look at the question of why. Why was Jesus born? If, if, if somebody asked you that question, you might be able to, um, about your own birth, explain some details. But if they asked you why you were born, how would you answer that? Right? I mean, that's kind of a hard question. Um, Herb Brooks uh, once told his hockey players before a big game, you were born to be a player. You were meant to be here. This moment is yours. 
So for some people, it seemed his comment was, you were born to play and win a big hockey game, right? Sam Walton once said, I was born to be a merchant. I loved retail from the very beginning, okay? So he's giving the purpose, maybe not all the details, why, but he's saying, I was born to be a merchant. Mark Twain once famously said, there are two really important days, or the two most important days in your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why, okay? So it's important for us to be thinking about why we were born. Certainly we were born, but we also want to today think about, as we go into this season of Christmas, we want to be thinking about why was Jesus born, right? Does Jesus say anything about why he was born? We're going to look in the Gospel of John. Now, you know probably that there are four Gospels, four different accounts of the life of Jesus, all written to different audiences, so all kind of coming at it from a different angle. John's is the most unique out of each of those. And, and Matthew's Gospel starts with a genealogy and then goes into the story of Jesus' birth. Luke's Gospel starts with the birth of John the Baptist going into the birth of Jesus. And so typically when somebody reads the Christmas story, they're reading it out of Luke's Gospel. Mark just gets started right away with the ministry of John the Baptist and then the ministry of Jesus. Skips the birth altogether. John kind of starts out the Gospel, which I said we're going to look at on Christmas Eve in John chapter 1 by talking about the Word and the Word becoming flesh. But there's only one time in John's Gospel where it talks about Jesus being born. And Jesus himself talks about it. It's Jesus himself that talks about his birth in the Gospel of John. And interestingly, he does it on the day in which he's crucified. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. We're going to be looking at John chapter 18 as Jesus stands before Pilate. And when Jesus talks about why he was born... It seems like it would be wise for us to listen into that. And so if you're able to, would you stand as we get ready to read God's Word? And I'm going to pray first, and then we'll read from John 18, 33 to 38. But let's pray. Father, we are so thankful that we have your written Word, that there are four accounts, reliable accounts, because each of these men, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, writing to a different audience, writing with their own style, were inspired by your Holy Spirit to write down each and every word that we might know Jesus, and we might know Him and worship Him. And so I pray that that would be the result of the message this morning, that as we start to understand more of why it was that Jesus was born, that we might spend this Christmas week, yes, gathering with family, yes, opening gifts, yes, eating too much food, but would we also, by your Spirit working in us this morning, be motivated to spend this week celebrating and worshiping the Jesus who we speak of this morning. Help us with that. In his name we pray. Amen. Let's read. From John 18, starting in verse 33, it says this, So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? 
Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born. And for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? And after he had said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him. You can be seated. Just a couple of points here this morning. As again, I mentioned that there is a sermon notes page inside your bulletin to help guide you through it. But before we jump right into what I just read, I want to be sure that we understand that in the context of the whole Bible, because I think so often when it comes to Christmas especially, we zero in on the details of Jesus' birth, which is not a bad thing to do, but it loses some of its significance when we don't put it in the context of everything that had come before it that was leading up to it. And so when we think back to the context of the whole Bible, we're reminded that there is an eternal God, an eternal God who created all things. And at the pinnacle of His creation, He created humans in His image, male and female, He created them, it tells us in Genesis 1. And these humans were created to bear His image as they lived in God's place, under God's good rule. But they rebelled. They thought maybe God was holding out on them and decided to do things their own way. It's called sin, and through the sin of Adam and Eve, sin entered the world and has affected all things. But God did not give up on His plan to create a special place for His people that He might rule over them. God made a promise to one man. That one man was named Abraham, and Abraham believed God's promise. And all throughout the rest of the Old Testament, we see these shadows. These shadows of the one who would come and be God's forever king. And there's a longing for him to come. And when we get to the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we're finally introduced to the king. The one who has come to fulfill all that pointed to him all throughout human history, all throughout the Old Testament was pointing forward to this king. And so we find that Jesus is the Messiah, the one that they had been waiting for, the anointed one, the suffering servant. He is the great high priest. He is the sacrificial lamb. He is the one true prophet, and he's the king. Everybody had been waiting and longing for his coming, and in the Gospels we're introduced to who he is and how he came. Now, we're jumping into the Gospel of John towards the end. Like I mentioned, this is the day of Jesus' crucifixion. If, you, if we would have read a little bit earlier in John 18, we would have found that there were some Jewish leaders who came to arrest Jesus at night. And early in the morning hours, they gave him this unfair trial. 
and they determined, or probably had already determined even before the trial, that their desire was to put Jesus to death. Right? That was their desire, but they didn't have the authority to carry it out. Carry it out. But Pilate, who was then the governor of the region of Judea, including the city of Jerusalem, Pilate was a, a, a Roman governor over that region, and he had the authority to put someone to death. Right? And so, they bring Jesus, these Jewish leaders bring Jesus before Pilate. Pilate really doesn't want anything to do with it at first. But finally, he figures out that he has to here in verse 33. So that's where we're picking this up. That's just a little bit of context that helps us understand where we're coming. So here we get to verse 33. And in verse 33, Pilate just asks Jesus point blank. He says to him, are you the king of the Jews? Are you the king of the Jews? Now, Jesus wants to know why Pilate's asking that. So before Jesus answers that question, are you the king of the Jews, Jesus asks him a question. And the question that Jesus asks is in verse 34. Jesus says, oh, I've got to turn there. All right, yes. Jesus says, do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate wants to know, but Jesus is saying, listen, I want to know where you're coming from. What Pilate really wants to know is, he wants to know if Jesus is a threat to the Roman Empire, right? That's why these people would have brought Jesus before Pilate anyway. That's why they figured maybe Pilate would be on their side and wanting to put Jesus to death. If they set Jesus up as this king who was a threat to the Roman Empire, then maybe Pilate would say, okay, let's kill him. Right? So that's what was going on here. And Jesus is saying, are you really wondering, Pilate, do you really, do you, are you really wondering if I'm the king of the Jews? Or did they just tell you this because it's part of their trap? In verse 35, Pilate still is like, I don't know. He just answers by saying this. He says, am I a Jew? He's like, I don't know. I'm not one of you. I don't, I don't get all your stuff. Here's what I know. Your own nation. And the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Right? That's the approach of Pilate. Like, I don't, I don't get all your stuff. I don't understand all that. I'm not a Jew. But here's what I do know. Your own nation, your people, the chief priests, the leaders of your religion, delivered you over to me. That's what I know. All right, so Jesus understands a little more of where Pilate's coming from now. So now Jesus is going to answer the question, are you the king of the Jews? That's what we have in verse 36. Jesus answered, my kingdom. So here he's not saying flat out, I am a king. But he's talking about his kingdom. And the only person that has a kingdom is a king, right? He says, my kingdom is not of this world. Now he's answering, remember, what what Pilate's thinking is like, is this guy a threat to the Roman Empire? That's what Pilate's wondering. And, And Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Jesus wants to be clear with him. Listen, Pilate. My kingdom is not going to be... I am a king. I do have a kingdom. 
it's not the kind of kingdom that Rome really feels threatened about at this point. Because it's not the kind of kingdom that's going to advance through a force or an army or a war or something like that. It's a different kind of kingdom. It's not a kingdom from here. And this, I think, is one of the most exciting aspects of Christmas to celebrate. That when Jesus came and took on human flesh, he was coming to be the king. God's kingdom, God's promised kingdom on this earth was was breaking in, in a new way when Jesus was born. It didn't come from our world, but it was going to have a major effect on our world. Remember back at the beginning of the Bible, God made people who were living in the place that God made for them, and they were supposed to be living under God's rule as their king. And for many years after the fall, the people would long for that very king. And every king, every leader that stood up fell short in some way. But now Jesus has come. He's the king in the line of David, the anointed one, the Messiah. And he was coming to bring in this new kind of kingdom, the kingdom of God. It's not a kingdom of this world, but it's going to change this world. But I say all that, Pilate... He hasn't read the Bible much, so he doesn't get all that, right? He's not thinking in those terms. He's just wondering, is Jesus a threat to the Roman Empire? How do I keep peace amongst all these people? How's this going to work, right? And so we get to the beginning of verse 37, and Pilate has another question. He asks a lot of questions here. Verse 37 says, Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king? And Jesus says, you say that I am a king. Right? So you are, he's like, I'm just trying to get this straight. So you are a king. But you've got a kingdom. It's not of this world. I don't really get all that stuff. But you're a king, right? Jesus says, you say that I'm a king. The NASB actually even inserts a word in there and says, you, you say correctly that I am a king. Okay? The, the way that Jesus says this, the way the language is used, it's an affirmative response. He's not just saying, well, you say it. He's saying, yes, you're right. You're saying it, and it's true. Um, so it's just translated, you say that I'm a king, right? That's what you're saying. Jesus is saying, yes, I am a king. You're right. But again, it's a different kind of kingdom. He's not the kind of king that came to be a national leader who would set up an army, who would build a palace. He's not coming to run for president. He's not got a campaign that he's ready to go out on, taking the bus and coming to Iowa first because we get to, like, it's not the way that Jesus is coming as king. It's totally different than the way that we do leadership in this world. In fact, he's coming to die. That's what he's coming to do. He came to be the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords, and he did it by coming as a baby and living a guiltless life, and then dying, being executed on the cross. Just last week, and a lot of times we sing it around this time of year, last week we sang the song from uh, Charles Wesley, written in 1744, Come Thou Long-Expected Jesus. There's those words in that song that, that, that say, Born thy people to deliver. Born a child, and yet a king. Born to reign in us forever, now thy gracious kingdom bring. That's what we long for. We're longing for that, so we sing that as we lead up to Christmas. We're just saying, 
Jesus, you're born a child, yet a king, born to reign in us forever. Now thy gracious kingdom bring. Make it happen. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we long for. We long for God's kingdom to break into our world. And in Jesus, that's what is taking place. Jesus came to be the king. And as Jesus appro- as, as Christmas approaches, that's one point of application. Let's worship Jesus as king and expect and ask him to rule in our hearts. Let's look at, this is the second point now, last point. Let's look at these last couple of verses. Verses 37b, Jesus said, You say that I am a king. And then he says, For this purpose I was born. And for this purpose I have come into the world. He's really saying the same thing twice, right? For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I came into the world. Being born is the same as coming into the world. He's making a point here. This is important. Listen up. Here's why I came. Not only to be king, but to bear witness to the truth. Jesus came to bear witness to the truth. The kingdom of God, the way in which the kingdom of God comes into the world is it comes in when the truth is proclaimed, when it is witnessed to, when the truth is revealed. The truth about who God is and how God will fulfill His promises, all of these things that were leading up to this moment are fulfilled in Christ. And so Christ comes to bear witness to the truth, to the one true God who makes and keeps every one of His promises. They're fulfilled in Him, in this baby who was born in Bethlehem. When we think of that compared to, the, we're, we're so used to leaders making promises that they can't keep or don't keep. right? We're so used to leaders telling people what they want to hear even if it's not the truth. That it's hard for us to imagine, except for we really want to know that it's true, and we know that it is true, that Jesus is a different kind of king. That he comes to bear witness to the truth. Every word that he speaks is true. He's not just telling people what they want to hear. He's not making promises that he won't keep. He's a king that comes to bear witness to the truth. We long for that kind of king. We long for that kind of leader. And it is Jesus. And then he adds this at the end of verse 37. He says, everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Those who are subjects of the kingdom, those who follow Jesus, are those that not only hear his voice, but we listen to it. We believe what Jesus says about everything because he came to bear witness to the truth. Christians are those that are a part of the kingdom of God by submitting themselves to the king, by allowing Jesus, the king, to rule in our hearts. Earlier in the Gospel of John, here's how Jesus says it. I like this. This is from John chapter 10. You can turn back a couple pages if you'd like. In John chapter 10, verse 25, listen to what Jesus says. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you did not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep 
hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Jesus says, listen, not everybody is going to submit to me as king. When my kingdom comes, those who are of the truth, those who are in my flock, those will hear my voice, and they will be mine, and no one will snatch them out of my hands. That's really good news. Everyone who is of the truth hears the voice of Jesus. But not everybody does, and Pilate seems to be one of them, because did you see how Pilate responded in verse 38? Pilate said to him, what is truth? Jesus says, everyone who hears the truth listens, everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate says, what is truth? We don't know exactly what tone he said that with. If he said it with the tone of a modern day postmodern, who's saying there is no such thing as truth? Or is he saying, maybe there is truth, but I'm not sure that you're the one who's speaking it? Or maybe he's saying, I don't think we can actually know. There probably is truth, but I don't think we can know what it is. We don't know the tone behind his question. He's just asking the question, what is truth? He is so unconvinced that Jesus is the truth, now, he is, now, now, did you notice that the rest of verse 38, that he's not convinced that Jesus is guilty, right? That's what it said in the rest of verse 38. It said, and after he said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him. They wanted Pilate to say, execute him. And Pilate comes back out. He's like, I, I, don't, I don't get all this, basically, is kind of what he's saying. But I don't think he's guilty of anything that would be worthy of death. Nevertheless, Pilate, who doesn't have an understanding and is not of the truth, in the very next chapter, chapter 19, verse 1, he has Jesus flogged and beaten and mocked. But he's still not convinced that Jesus is really guilty and worthy of death. So in verse 4, I think it is, yep, in verse 4, he tells them again, listen, I don't find any guilt in him. He doesn't want to go through with it. And then again in verse 6, he does it again. I don't find any guilt in him. Pilate's trying to get off the hook, right? He, he has this, he's not sure what's true. His, his response to the truth is, what is truth? He's not willing to stand on anything. And so what we see happen as we keep reading is he's willing to fall for anything. He's willing to cave in to do what the crowds want him to do because he doesn't have a solid grounding in truth. And so Pilate will say, all right, then let's have him executed. Not because he believes that he deserves it, but because he has no understanding, no foundation of truth to stand on. And because he's not standing on any truth, he's willing to just go with the crowd. And in doing so, commits the most evil act that anybody's ever committed and that is executing the Son of God. And so if there's a point of application in that part for us, we need to recognize that if we have Pilate's view of truth, which is a very common view in our day, the, the view that says, well, what is truth? 
I don't, I don't think that, that anybody can really know there is such thing as truth with the capital T. That's what a lot of people think in our day. And what happens as a result of that is you're willing to fall for just about anything. And you'll just go with the crowd and do whatever the crowd wants. And in doing so, you can be going against the one who came to save you. Now, a couple more application points to close things out this morning. Here's the big idea today. Why was Jesus born? Jesus was born to be the king and to bear witness to the truth. Okay? That's what I want you to get today because that's what I think John is trying to communicate to his original audience and to us here in John 18. Jesus came to bear witness to the truth and to be the king. So what? What does that mean for us? First question I think you want to ask yourself is, do you believe that? Do you believe the truth? Jesus said earlier in this same gospel, in John 14, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's what Jesus said. Well, maybe you're not sure. Maybe you're not sure if there really even is truth. Maybe you've bought into the way of thinking that a lot of people in our culture have bought into that you're kind of wondering if anybody even really knows the truth. When everyone decides on their own version of the truth, we're just rejecting Jesus' kingship over our lives. We're saying that we're king. We're in effect saying, listen, I'm running my own life and I'm doing a decent job at it. I don't need somebody else to come in and tell me what to do. We're saying, I don't need a king because I'm the king. There's not any more room on the throne because I'm on the throne. Other people would say, well, I don't need a witness to the truth. I'm a pretty intelligent person. And there's a lot of people out there saying a lot of true things. And I can listen to all these different truth claims. And I can decide what the truth is on my own. I don't need somebody who claims to be the truth and to bear witness to the truth. I don't need that. I don't need one who claims to be the way, the truth, and the life because I can find my own way in life. I can determine my own truth in life, and I can live my own life the way I want to live my own life. I don't need somebody who's the way, the truth, and the life. And Jesus says, then you don't come to the Father because no one comes to the Father except through me, and I am the way, the truth, and the life. So do you believe so often in our culture today, we choose tolerance over truth. We don't need Jesus because we don't need truth. Is the way a lot of people think. So, I think one call for us, as we hear all this, is believe the truth. Believe the truth. Do you believe that Jesus is the truth? He came to be the king. Do you worship him as king? Do you submit yourself to him as king? Is he the Lord of your life? He says he came to save to seek and save that which is lost. Do you trust Him as your Savior? If you don't, I'd love to talk to you more about that. Application point number two. If you're skeptical, if you're skeptical, that's okay. It's not like we want to we wanna shun skeptical. You've got a lot of questions. You've got a lot of doubts. Great. Then examine this witness. If you're skeptical about the truth, what you do, if somebody says, I came to bear witness to the truth, you at least need to be honest enough to say, okay, listen, 
I'm not sure about all this Jesus stuff. I'm not sure of someone being born of a virgin, of dying on the cross to pay the penalty for sins, of somebody being raised from the dead. I'm not sure about all that. But Jesus says, I came to bear witness to the truth. It would be wise of you, if you're skeptical, to at least examine the witness. And, and we have the witness of Jesus very well laid out, especially in these four Gospels. In the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, four witnesses that will lay out these truth claims for us to respond to. So if you're skeptical, I challenge you, maybe that's what you get to do this Christmas. Maybe this is good for everybody. I put up the application guide. It's very simple this week. On the back there, application guide is pick a gospel and read through it this week. So if you want to read through the Gospel of Matthew, it's seven chapters a day. Want to read through the Gospel of Luke, it's six chapters a day. Want to read through, this is only four days I'm talking, so you don't even have to spend the whole week. Just pick four days this week. Want to read through the Gospel of, of John, it's about five chapters a day for four days. Want to read through the Gospel of Mark, it's four chapters a day for four days, okay? So pick your length. All of them testify to Jesus, right? And so if you're skeptical, if you've got some questions about Jesus, things that you've been wondering... That'd be great for you to ask other people questions, but why don't you go to the witness himself and read through one of those four Gospels this Christmas week. If you're already a believer, you're not really skeptical about Jesus being, and you're concerned like a lot of people are, like, how am I going to focus on Jesus this week when there's so many other things going on? A great way to focus on Jesus would be to read the Gospels. Pick a Gospel and read it, right? It's just a challenge for all of us this week. If you're related, by the way, to someone who's skeptical, uh, maybe you're going to get together with them for Christmas, I, I'd encourage you to consider reading through a gospel with them. Maybe you're not going to have a chance to like sit down and do that while you're together for Christmas. And maybe, maybe they live nearby and you can get together afterwards and just do that. Just say, listen, I know that we don't believe the same things, but have you really taken time to like examine the, the testimony of Jesus and of the, the four gospel writers about Jesus? Have you done that? Would you be willing to do that with me? Let's do that. Whether, maybe you can get together. Maybe you have to do it via social media or email or text messaging or something. But just commit to, hey, let's spend, let's, let's just read a chapter every week and discuss it. That would be a great way. Um, God's Spirit works through God's Word to draw people to Himself. And then finally... If you believe that Jesus is the king, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, then you've got a reason to celebrate this Christmas. Even if everything else is maybe not going as you had hoped this Christmas, we have a reason to celebrate because we know the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. Yes, the world might be a bit of a mess. Yes, your family might be a bit of a mess. Yeah, work might be hard right now. Your health is far from perfect right now. Christmas is not going to be white. It's going to be greenish, brownish, kind of, right? There's all these, like, and maybe maybe you're just, yeah, everybody's getting sick. Maybe you're going to be one of them. You know, it, it's just the way it could be. But if you know Jesus, the one who is the way, the truth, and the life, we have reason to celebrate with joy, to celebrate him with joy as we go into this season, the one who came to be the king, the one who came 
to bear witness to the truth. We know what truth is, and we can have the sure promise of living forever in God's place under God's rule because we trust in Jesus and we worship Him as Savior. There's lots of reason for joy as we come into this season. Jesus was born to be the King and to bear witness to the truth. So let's submit ourselves to Him. Let's go ahead and pray as the worship team comes up. Heavenly Father, I thank You. Thank You that You sent Your Son, Jesus. I thank You that He's very explicit. He said many things about the reason for which He came. We see that all throughout Scripture, but in John's Gospel, He says it one time. And we looked at that this morning, and we, we believe, I believe, and I know many others with me in here this morning believe that what Jesus said is true, that He came to be the King, to usher in a new kind of kingdom. And we gladly with joy, submit to His kingship. We don't believe for a second. And when we do, help us to repent. We don't believe that we are capable of running life the way it ought to be run. We want to submit ourselves to Him as the King, as the one who bears witness to the truth. Help us with that. And for all those that haven't yet trusted Jesus as Lord and Savior, if they're skeptical, God, I pray that You would help them to spend some time during this week examining the witnesses that we have about Jesus. The one who bears witness to the truth, that they might know the truth and that the truth would set them free. And for all of us who do know and worship Jesus, I pray that you would help us during this week to have great joy in our hearts, even if other things are a mess, that we would know that your promise is sure. That we who trust in Jesus will live forever with you. You will, you will come and you will establish the new heavens, the new earth. Your kingdom will reign where there will be no more mourning or crying or pain anymore. The world won't be a mess anymore. Our families won't be a mess anymore because you will come and make all things new. We want to be the people living in that kingdom under your reign. So help us to be submissive to you and worship you. But worship you with great joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you go ahead and stand and we will sing another Christmas song together about the joy that we have because Jesus has come. And so let's sing about that together.